This is the Macworld Podcast, episode 512 for June 15th, 2016. Hello, folks, and welcome back to the Macworld Podcast. I'm Glenn Fleischman, a senior contributor at Macworld. And uh, this is episode two to the ninth power. I know anyone at home will listen, listening will appreciate our binary numbers, but it's bad timing because everything's coming up 10, not nine. Uh, joining me this week is Susie Oaks, regular co-host, uh, the executive editor of Macworld. Hello, Susie. Howdy ho, Glenn. And also Caitlin McGarry, staff writer at Macworld. Hello, Caitlin. Hi, everybody. Hello. And, Welcome uh, to Cali. Caitlin is usually our New York com- correspondent, and she came out here for WWC, and it's always fun to have her in the office. You can see the future because you're from three three hours ahead. It, it looks a little sunnier. <laughs> <laughs> That's about it. Well, I was talking Except about, at night when it's a little darker. Right. <laughs> I was talking about uh, nines and tens, and so we got iOS 10, apparently tvOS 10, although the number isn't emphasized, and macOS, it loses its X. No more 10. Uh, yeah, but, I've seen it called macOS 12, and I've seen it called macOS 10.12. Oh, I haven't seen the 10. I wonder, old-fashioned. I, Apple I seems think to be like, Apple's it. just sort of leaving that out and just calling it macOS Sierra. Exactly. But I think officially it still retains the 10.12 number, but it's just like not really spoken uh, colloquially, perhaps. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. What's, yeah, what the Mac, what's the Mac world style going to be? macOS 12 sounds We're right to me. We're doing the small but, M, which has been controversial yeah. already. I saw some discussion about that. Well, you know, you got to file. If you're doing iOS with lowercase i, you have to do macOS yeah. with lowercase m. Uh, and I'll put iOS at the beginning of a sentence because it doesn't look weird to me anymore. macOS with a small m still looks weird at the beginning of a sentence, but I don't really want to go around capping it. So I'll probably just try to avoid that. You can kind of rewrite the sentence. Anyway, I used to be a copy editor, so I think a lot about these things. Style <laughs> issues. Well, we also have uh, WatchOS 3, not 10 or 9 or 12, came out, uh, or is announced, rather. And uh, yesterday was kind of all about syncing up four different operating systems. That was kind of the uh, the upshot from the start was we've got four different operating systems to go through. And holy cow, was there a lot of material. We have 40,000 items to discuss about each operating system, Tim Cook said. And here we go. Uh, so that was a, it was a very fast two hours. We've complained in the past about Apple having uh, kind of a slow pace in some keynotes or Seeming a little disorganized. They this was cut just, out all bam, the fluff. Bam, there was bam. nothing. There was, yeah. I mean, like the, they had demos by Apple executives and those can, you know, be a little like friendly. They shouldn't just be like, here is how the app works. Thank you for the, <laughs> watching my demo. Like those are fun and they should be fun, but they didn't have any third party apps. They didn't have a musical guest. They didn't, uh, they didn't talk about their like f- fancy new Apple store design, which I thought for sure was going to like eat up, you know, at least a few minutes. They got so, way back on the the promotional videos. Yeah, there were only two videos. The first video wasn't until like an hour and a half in or something. They finally showed, I think, the iOS 10 video maybe yeah. was first, and it was kind of a kick-ass video. But they didn't even have like a goofy WWDC like <laughs> welcome video, which they always do. Oh, they do yeah. some like Last funny skits. Hilarious. They didn't have one. That's right. This was like maybe we they have showed it so before much. like the platform State of the Union or something. Maybe they they did because they got the developers again together like twice more that day. There was. After lunch, there was the platform State of the Union, which I caught a little bit of the stream, and it was super fascinating. Um, I heard it was great. A lot of developers were it saying it was extremely really reassuring. It was really good. Um, and then I, I recorded it. I'm going to listen to it later. And then uh, I the, the design awards um, were later. So they had a couple more chances that they could have showed like a goofy video like that. I don't know if they did or not because I wasn't there. But um, yeah, that was a, it was really tight. 
too busy for Goofy this year is the Apple message. Also, very little Tim Cook on stage, which I think is – I think the CEO is often relatively absent from WWDC unless they're announcing something really huge, big, and new. In yeah. this case, it was very incremental. So he was kind of a – there was a period where I'm like, I don't think I've seen Tim for like an hour now. He was like the MC, but he wasn't even coming back out to like, you know, hand it off. Like they were kind of handing it off to each other. It went, you know, like Eddie – Kevin Lynch to Eddie to Craig, you know. Where's so, Phil Schiller? Where did they lock him up? What's going yeah, on? Phil wasn't there. That was, was weird. Maybe he's in like China or India or something. Yeah, it's uh, especially well. He did his announcements last week. Maybe he had uh, he had you know other obligations this week. <laughs> this week, nothing important going on. Just WWDC, so he had yeah. to be elsewhere. I mean, we really did. That was the funny thing. Uh, uh, it was um, discussed uh, last week. Was the and it wasn't brought up at all during the keynote. Was the uh, subscriptions mm-hmm. and uh, some of the other changes in the. Um, the App Store, then Apple also, just by the way, not so much of interest to general people, but I'll just to note that Apple slipped out an entire rewrite of its App Store review guidelines, uh, which contain, I went through it kind of carefully, and it's more or less the same as they were, but it's completely rewritten. They moved everything around. There's some sentences and things the same. They added more descriptive copy. They pulled out a few things. They added a few clarifications, but that happened without a mention either. Um, but it had to be done, I think, to accommodate some of the changes that they've incorporated into um, both the guidelines and uh, subscriptions with the App Store. You know what? The PR site got a, re- a redesign, too. Yeah, they seem to drop They're doing the... a lot of little brushing up behind the scenes. Well, hot, it looks like all the old press releases have disappeared, unless I can't find them. They went from hot news. Oh, great. I hit, I hit reload, because <laughs> after, after an Apple keynote, I sit there and hit reload on the press yeah. page, because they often put up the stuff they didn't announce at the event. Right, right. And all of a sudden, the hot news link disappears, and I'm redirected to this new news page that has big oh. graphics, and it just and it's now gone. it's back. Is I it? just went oh, okay, at good. its back. That may have been just a temporary thing to redirect people to the. Yeah, that was weird. The news, but uh, yeah. Well, let's get into the let's get into the issues. Oh, here. there's we're two. Big... There's the Apple.com/newsroom and mm-hmm. Apple.com/pr. Anyway, sorry, inside baseball. No okay. Well, it's where people sometimes go to get the official news too, so it's confusing. I know a lot of people who want to find the actual Apple statement on something, so they go and yeah. and see what was announced versus what's being reported. Uh, so let's get into the uh, into the big overview. I thought there's a lot of detail to cover. But I thought it'd be good to start with, you know, what's the theme this year? It seems to me we're continuing the same theme uh, of the last year of iOS 9, of uh, what was OS 10.11, uh, that um, OS 10, 10.11, uh, that immaturity. It's, um, you know, tvOS and, and watchOS, we can talk about a little bit more because they needed more change. But we're really at a point where uh, a lot of change isn't good, right? It's a slowdown, but not because something's wrong, but because things are right. That is my thesis. I think if it had, if these all had a code name, it would be like painkiller. Like they're all just <laughs> about fixing little problems, Operation especially tvOS and, and watchOS, but even on iOS and macOS. I think we're, we're we're trying to fix problems and keep people like happy in this ecosystem and not be looking around elsewhere. It's sandpaper. Let's uh, smooth down the friction, make everything more seamless and easy. And uh, well, I mean, there's even things like, you know, one of the issues are like Siri not being available on the Mac in its full form. Like it was kind of, you know, bits and pieces, but it really wasn't uh, really wasn't there in all. Right. And mm-hmm. now we will have essentially full fledged Siri in, in a Mac OS. Um, and it, it just it took a long time to get here. So I feel like a lot of things are we're now in greater sync. So features that were in iOS and OS X are now going to be compatible and um, and synchronized with one another. Uh, there's also a lot of catch-up that happened, though, I thought, too. Is I, I 
listening to the keynote, I felt like a lot of things were, uh, you know, it's like, oh yeah, that's already been an Android. That's something that was on one platform, not another. Um, you know, third-party extensibility, Apple's always been very wary about that for certain mm -hmm. kinds of features, and they added it. Um, notifications in particular, I mean, I know the Android uh, world has always been slightly angry that Apple kind of stole the notifications idea. I mean, it's, you know, once you see it, it's obvious and you implement it, but um, it took a while for iOS to adopt uh, the notification screen. And uh, as Android has matured and added more options there to like the lock in the notification screen, iOS has kind of stayed in the same really wonky organization. This change looks better to me. I, st I still don't love widgets in iOS on the, on the uh, swipe down screen, but yeah, the you know. widgets are, th that could be really interesting. Cause I hated widgets on the Mac. Like I was so happy when we finally got to turn those off. Huh. Um, but I'd like them on Android, and I also thought that the cards they're doing on the lock screen, I think, I don't know what they were calling them, but they really looked like kind of Android, Google Now sort of style cards. So it seemed like the design was even kind of suggesting Android a little bit. Um, but, but yeah, the widgets are interesting. So if, I guess it's just like if you have an app where you're always sort of opening that app to check one thing. And, you know, some of them have put those widgets in Notification Center, but I don't, I mean, I go to Notification Center for notifications, so I don't know. Like, are you using a lot of Notification Center widgets? Do you put stuff in there? No, not really. Um, yeah, I don't think I, I don't Maybe think I'll, I'll be more likely to look at them yeah. on a home screen. I'm putting this on my phone today, um, so we'll see. I don't know, like, how much of this is live in the, the very God. first developer beta they just got yesterday. Godspeed, little phone. Yeah, uh, well, I realized I have two phones, so I'm going to go for it. Oh, right on. Yeah. Your day phone and night phone, I hope. Yeah, well, uh, you know, my bat phone and my <laughs> super phone. I do. I use the widgets a little bit, but, you know, it's the big thing is I forget they're there. It's not even, yeah. uh, right? It's not like they're useful or not useful. It's like it's not the right – because I can unlock my phone so easily and because I can say, you know, hey, telephone, uh, get, you know, a launch PCALC or whatever – I'm not really like there's no modality in which I'm like, oh, I need a thing that I have to remember where it is in the list. That's a widget and what features are in the widget that are in the app that I can pull up immediately and do this thing. It's like that doesn't uh, I don't think my mind works that way. It sounds sure. like there's going to be more swiping around. So there's those widgets. You're, you're swiping away notifications. Um, control center now is like three panels instead of one. So you can swipe over to Thank your home kit stuff if you have it. You can swipe over to your music controls. But as long as you can do that with one hand and things don't get like things aren't, you know, like hidden behind things like those these extra stuff doesn't get in your way. I think it'll be it'll end up being like 3D touch on the 6S where like the people who sort of start using it and kind of work it into their, you know, habits and their workflow, they'll get a lot out of it. But the people who just sort of forget that it's there, they can just forget that it's there and it's not going to like be in their way or slow them down. And if you still want to do things like the old find the app, launch it, do your thing instead of, you know, shortcutting that with a widget or with the quick action from the from the icon. You don't have to. So that's that's sort of nice that they're adding these extra they almost feel like power user things. Well, um but we'll see how they feel like when we really get to use them. I, I think this emphasizes too a little bit of how um Apple it's one aspect of how developers were able to kind of modify iOS a bit, but in this release iOS 10 particularly, I mean macOS I think is still very secondary because developers have had more power there for a long time. Uh, but developers are being emphasized as the glue for iOS, that Apple 
didn't, you know, they Sherlocked some things, which is fine. And I don't think it was as obvious and horrible as some of the Sherlocking in the past. They didn't say like, hey, that's a very nice app you have there. We're just going to incorporate the functionality. <laughs> it's more like, you know, a natural progression of things. Apple finally integrated something that other companies had uh, developed software around because Apple hadn't gotten around to it, but it was obvious. Yeah, like Universal Clipboard. There's definitely yeah. a lot of apps that do that. Yeah, or even the Unlock thing with the watch. That's cool. There's a bunch of, you know, like Knock Knock and some other things uh that, yeah, uh, that would do it. it'll work like a hundred times better when it's just oh, like know, part of the OS. I know. There's something you have to do at that level. But I was thinking, I, I love your guys' thoughts about uh, this issue of Apple turning to developers for things like integrating Apple Pay in messages instead of using Apple Pay for it. Or uh, even stickers. And Apple didn't release like a million stickers. They're allowing stickers as a separate category of things um, in Siri and third-party integration that Apple isn't saying – we're going to be the glue. It's like, no, you guys can come to us rather than we're coming to you and you have to follow this approach. Um, what do you think about developers being this this glue in iOS as it's matured instead of Apple assuming all the, all the functionality? Well, it seems like, um, you know, with the uh, Siri SDK and um, – you know, the the iMessage app store, like these are just new ways for developers to make money. And, you know, we saw last week with the um, the app store changes, it seems like Apple really wants developers to be happy. And, you know, they take their cut, but they also help people make a ton of money. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think that, um, I think these are all, these are all good things uh, on, on the developer end. Um, although, the the iMessage changes are uh, they remind me a lot of Facebook Messenger like the, yeah. the the overhauled app looks like very similar to Facebook Messenger so I thought that was really interesting and I'm I'm not sure I'm a fan of some of those new features but oh yeah what don't you like <laughs> oh, we can talk about it, I guess when we get to yeah, let's get into the Messages app because that is so unlike Apple I thought it was like really out there for them I want to push that discussion back just a little bit I want to do a little more. A big picture okay, first, okay. So that's okay. Because then we'll, but we'll get. I swear to God, we'll get to it. We won't. And, and folks, listeners, we're not going to do every feature in every OS because it would be like a five-hour podcast. So with the weeks to come, we'll it took drill them down. two hours just to breeze through them. Oh my you God, they're going so fast. Two, just two like hours. here's ten features. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Jesus, I can't even keep up with what you're saying. Can I, can I just tell you what happened though? Yeah, yeah. Tell tell us. The Wi-Fi. Oh my gosh, Glenn. The Wi-Fi was not working on my Mac so well it was like connected it's like you got all the bars but like nothing was getting through and i was like well it's beforehand maybe when they start talking all these developers who are just like you know snapchatting their friends will stop and the people who are like here working like me can get on the wi-fi but no no i'm like doing my updates scribble live is taking my updates leah's slacking me on my phone saying no one is seeing your updates. Oh my god! So I switched. I, I tried to tether to my iPad. That was not really working either. I switched to my phone to the Scribble Live app, and I did forty-five minutes on my phone, thumb typing, quick type keyboard, autocorrect. Amazing! You're it was good. like, it yeah. was hard. It was hard. Bill I've been Graham, through things. Bill I've seen things. Is not equipped with the. Uh, I think Yerba Buena and some of the other places. Moscone uh, and Yerba Buena have better Wi-Fi. Yeah, there was a, a few years ago. Remember when Steve Jobs was like, "Okay, everybody, turn off your goddamn hotspots." Yes, because I got yelled at. Yeah, but in they've you know since then there's it's actually really some dramatic actually. technological <laughs> solutions you can put in, and I don't think Bill Graham Auditorium has it. However, the new town hall, I'm sure we'll be able to uh, yes, cover. They need have to have the strongest Wi-Fi. The in the it is funny though. It's like anyway, that, sorry. it's like the weakest link. Um, other thing I want to talk about was uh, you know a couple things. One was uh, uh, AI, and there's Apple Pay. So um, you know a few weeks ago we were talking about uh, Mark Arman's essay concerned that uh, Apple was falling behind on the artificial intelligence 
uh, front, however that's defined today, uh, and that Google, Facebook, um, Amazon, and others are were really stepping up. And you know, is Apple going to be left behind because they're very quiet about things until they're ready? And I felt like we saw little, you know, there were some strategic leaks. We talked about the last few weeks where Apple's like, oh, we bought this company. Oh, there's other thing we're doing. And now we're seeing um, in, in the keynote, they uh, have little bits and pieces everywhere, like the photo uh, recognition, facial recognition, recognition of um, objects and scenes and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt, do you feel like it seemed like they were emphasizing artificial intelligence without saying like, oh, we have AI going on. Don't yes. worry. But it was like a subtle ongoing message. It was kind of in a few things. It was definitely in photos. They talked about Siri intelligence in QuickType. So if someone, if you're using the QuickType keyboard and, and you know, it suggests the next word. And usually it just does that on like what they think the sentence will be, but now it's taking more context. So they said, you know, if you say the warriors are playing in the, the next word might be playoffs. And if you say the children are playing in the, like they'll say like playground. So, and then, you know, if someone asked you like, where are you? Like the, it'll suggest like, would you like to drop a pin? So there's, you know, more intelligence going on there. And then they mentioned in photos. Um, but then, yeah, they keep talking about how it's going to stay on your device. And that's where they're trying to make, yeah. they're saying we're just as smart, but not as creepy. Yeah, the difference. Do you think it's less creepy if it stays on the device? Yeah, I think it's a lot less creepy. And I think that's probably, I would assume, what the challenge was because, you know, Google and these other companies can do it much faster and, and easier because they have all of this data in the cloud. So, the you know, the machine learning part of it just is so much faster. But Apple doesn't keep any of this stuff, so they have to figure out how to how to implement these features just completely on the device. Yeah, I was reading about uh, differential privacy was a word they brought up at one point. I was reading some of the developer documents. There's not a lot. uh, There's some research out there. In fact, Google uh, pioneered some a couple of years ago. And the idea is that instead of sending the data, uh, you know, what like Siri now, if you use Siri, it's actually sending information in, in a form from your phone that's tagged, but it's not identified with you, but it has a tag and you can reset Siri on your phone. It will actually delete that tag. It may retain the information in some form, but uh, Apple, you know, does some essentially it's not exactly anonymization, but it, it doesn't connect your identity with the information. You have to get access to Apple's database and do an enormous amount of work that is probably infeasible to reverse engineer. But Apple is taking words we're saying and using it to train its systems. Um, and again, but you could reset Siri every day if you wanted on your phone and you would lose the benefit of the local learning that it had, but you'd still be contributing to uh, Apple's knowledge. Um, differential privacy, the idea is that, that instead of sending everything, you send some kind of random subset from every device. And it's tagged in such a way that no individual will be identified. There's no identifying information. And uh, the one example that was given, uh, and it's mentioned in the documentation, is the deep URLs that link into a spot into an app, which uh, Apple started exposing a while ago. So it can be like a search result. Um, those can be sent uh, to subsample how often people are going to certain places within an app. And Apple's going to use that as one of the tools to uh, surface information, like a, a figure out how popular something is and use it to guide results, uh, search results, because it'll know what people are using more without knowing which people are clicking on a given link. It'll just know that certain links are being clicked more than others. Um, uh, but I saw a lot of security experts on Twitter kind of laughing about differential privacy. They're like, yeah, it's great in theory, but no one's proved that it actually works. And someone else, I think it might've been Matthew Green, 
who's a well-known security uh, researcher, said uh, a lot of people go from theory to testing to production. Apple's going from theory to production. They haven't tested this on any scale to determine whether anonymity works, and they're rolling it out. So there's concerns there, and you know, we'll see how they're addressed through the beta process and then what happens uh, at the rollout. But I like the fact that they're trying to find a way to uh, not have to acquire information in order to learn about uh, how people, uh, what people are doing. Like it's a, you know, aggregated rather than specific. <laughs> yeah, at least they're trying. <laughs> uh, Apple Pay Everywhere was the last thing I wanted to, to, to bring up uh, too is um, it feels like Apple Pay uh, is now going to be extended. You know, it's going to go to Safari. It's going to be available as something that's like just another thing. Like it's it sort of reached the PayPal level. Do, do either of you use PayPal regularly? A lot of people have sworn off it, but not everybody. Yeah, I like it. They've never really screwed me over, so I'm still using it. <laughs> I almost never use it. I even use the app. Like if I forget my wallet, which I do every month or so, um, there's you can order lunch through different places and then go pay, you pay oh. for it through the PayPal app and pick it up. It's basically like they link to like Eat24 or something. So you're, you're ordering from Eat24 restaurants, but you're paying with PayPal. Oh, I see. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I think, in a, I mean, but it feels like it'll be uh, not. I don't think it'll be as awful as that because I uh, sometimes with <laughs> well, with ad block. I have a uh, no, it's you know, gonna be cool. I have a content blocker and a very very carefully tuned content blocker, so it doesn't block ads. It blocks some kinds of videos and trackers and things and things that I think are malicious, right? And some stuff like PayPal doesn't work with content blockers on. And I'm like, what is PayPal doing that I have to load like a tracking widget in order to log in and pay um, on the web? But I love this idea that you're going to go to a website, you go to Target or whomever, and you click an Apple Pay button and your phone lights up and it says, hey, you want to prove this charge? And you hold, you know, do touch ID. That, that, do, you th- do you folks, do you think you'll wind up using that method? Do you find yes. that more convenient? I use it in apps all the time. And this is like, this exact same thing. Like you're, you know, you're you're in an app and you're trying to buy something, and then it's like, oh, do you want to find your credit card and enter all that crap in, or do you want to just tap pay with Apple Pay and put your thumbprint down? And like, clearly, I'm totally going to do the thumbprint. Yeah, way. definitely. Do you use it in a bunch of apps? Um, I do. Um, I'm trying to think what what apps I use it the Ticketmaster. most. Ticketmaster. Um, yeah, I've used it in Ticketmaster. I've used it in some of the shopping apps. I like think to buy Grubhub. Clothes. Like you can use it now. There's yeah. one of them, like it's either Grubhub or E24, the one of the two food apps I use. Yeah, it's one of those funny distinctions that. So it, it's like it's it's the same thing. It's going to work the exact same way. Yeah. You'll just be in Safari. So who wouldn't want to do that? That's but genius. You'll be able to buy digital goods in Safari, where you can't buy digital goods in uh, in an app in iOS. And that's oh yeah. I, I think now I don't think I'm. I mean I looked the at all the sites. The only digital goods I would buy in Safari are like Kindle books, and they're they're not going to be. Supporting Apple Pay, in right? But no, like Wall Street <laughs> Journal was one of the partners listed. You know, publications okay, okay. like periodic. As someone who ran a failed periodical, or one that had a shutdown, at least not failed per se. Um, you know, I was tied into the Apple ecosystem for payment notifications and a bunch of other things. But being able to use Apple Pay instead of having to, I mean. I was using Stripe, and Stripe has already announced support for um, Apple Pay. Stripe is a payment platform. There's a million of them, like Braintree and. Uh, uh, I came. There's like a million, uh, 20, at least 26 that support Apple Pay. I should say it's noted on Apple's site, and uh, so Stripe is a platform that handles it. So you have a website or an app. You put a few lines of JavaScript in, or you do, uh, you know, you do a little bit of programming. It's not a big deal, and you send. You know, customers basically go over, and uh, uh, Stripe handles all the processing steps of it. So Stripe is going to. It supports Apple Pay and apps already. It's going to add a layer of support in their websites, and their comment is it's really not that big a deal because if you already have the code from Stripe to display 
uh, the information to punch in a credit card. It's just going to be another button that says Apple Pay and sites that do a deeper integration where they have to, uh, they've built it around Stripe's API and they kind of have their own interface. It'll still be, you know, they'll be, here's where you enter your credit card, select Visa, whatever, or there'll be a pay with Apple Pay button that, again, Stripe just processes the same way they do now. So um, it'll, I'm just curious how it opens it up to a lot of new categories because anybody can get a Stripe account. There's a, a few other processors that are like that that'll allow Effectively, anyone to get a free account, you don't pay a monthly fee, and you can accept cards. Uh, you know, I use Squarespace. This is not an ad. <laughs> They're not a sponsor. Uh, but Squarespace has Stripe integration. So I can sell electronic books from my Squarespace website using my Stripe account to handle the credit card collection. And that will suddenly, at some point, uh, sport an Apple Pay button. Shopify has 240,000 stores. And they said they will not only support Apple Pay through their internal payment thing, but also with, I think, six or seven payment processors that they uh, that their stores can also opt to use for processing. So Shopify is going to be all, you know, have Apple Pay buttons everywhere, too. That's awesome. Yeah. I just love the idea of not having to punch my credit card in, though. I mean, you know. Yeah. And then nobody gets your credit card. You don't have to worry, like, if I'm buying something from a smaller website or seller, like, you know, what kind of security are they using? Like, of course, they're probably using, you know, a turnkey solution like Shopify or something. So, but it's just nice to know that your information isn't, you know, out there just because you like to shop all over. I dig it. I dig it. I mean, uh, I have two of my credit card numbers stolen this year already. So it's, you know, <laughs> and they're both in Apple Pay. They weren't stolen from Apple Pay. They're stolen from whatever online retailers. I don't even know which ones. Uh, but I get the notification in Apple Pay like, hey, your credit card number has been updated. I didn't have to re-enroll it or anything. Yes, that's the best part. Uh, that's, that's happened great. to me too. <laughs> it's great. I mean, if Nice. It's, if I didn't know about that. Yeah, it doesn't always work. I think uh, Lex Friedman, I think, had a card stolen or a number stolen, and he had to re-enroll. But if everything is lined up correctly, the card issuer basically pushes out a new device uh, token or something, and uh, Apple accepts it and then just says, hey, you know, you're up to date. So I could actually – I could pay with the credit card by my phone days before the new physical credit card arrived in the uh, mail. I got off the phone with American Express, and like two minutes later or five minutes later, I got the Apple Pay notification that uh, it had been updated. So that's cool. Uh, no hardware. Just in passing, we thought there were some rumors that some things might occur and uh, no hardware announcements. Not even. I mean, they're probably reason. still working on, you know, some or all of those things. But oh, yeah, just, yeah. yeah, there wasn't any time and it's they were very focused on, uh, you know, the platforms and the software this time, which I think is appropriate. Okay. So watch OS 3. Uh, I saw Fraser Spears, who's a um, UK based uh, developer who uh, uh, does a school uh, tech administration also has been writing about using iPads in education since practically iPads were released. And uh, you know, I feel like he understands the field pretty well. <laughs> it's better than anybody. And uh, he said they couldn't have released 3.0 as a 1.0 because they had to learn what they had to learn during this time. Um, I did not like watch OS 1 or 2. I sold my Apple Watch. Uh, I know that not everybody did people on this podcast. So watch OS 3. Is it really going to be transformative? Is it what they should have shipped originally but couldn't? Um, yeah, I think it's going to be transformative. Um, I'm The biggest problem with the watch is that everything is so slow. Like even in, with watch OS 2, when these apps are supposed to run natively, like there's still the constant spinning wheel, like glances just weren't working or taking too long to load. Um, basically, I was just using it as a fitness tracker. So, and those features are also getting really good in watchOS 3 um, with activity sharing, which will make it more like a Fitbit, so more competitive, more social. Um, and 
uh, a new health app called Breathe. Um, so just lots of little tweaks, but I think the fact that it's going to be faster is huge. Like that's what they needed to fix. And I don't, I don't know if they could have shipped it. Um, I don't know like what they needed to work on to make that possible, but, um, that's definitely going to fix a lot of my problems with it. Yeah. We're excited that they finally gave that button a job because before it does that like <laughs> wheel of friends, your little wheel, wheel of friends. Of, I hated the wheel of friends. And I never use the wheel of friends. I just like, you know, I just don't. So that's going to be now your dock of f- favorite apps. And they're going to, it sort of looks like the app switcher on iOS when you see like a little kind of preview card of each app's um, last state and you can switch between them. But when you add apps to that dock, they're going to get background refresh like capabilities. So when you flip through those little previews, those will be live previews. So I don't know if Ooh. this takes the place of glances. It does. It does. Like I glances are gone. Glances are going away. Glances are going Yay. away. That's awesome because they weren't fast enough. Yeah. So this is. So now when you swipe up, um, well, not now, but when you get WatchOS 3, when you swipe up from the bottom of your screen, it's just going to be the control center. No more glances. That is so cool. That seems great. It was too, yeah, because it was a bunch of buttons, a bunch of features, difficult to select apps, circle of friends, and, you know, glances not actually being like a shortcut to providing something quickly. It looks to me like I I have to say the one thing, the app switcher still seems a little funky to me in that um, it just depends how many apps I'm going to go between all the time, right? Like I can't zoom out and make it easier to select, but the same thing is true in iOS. The app switcher there. I still find it a little awkward, but um, it sounds like you both think this is going to be superior. I think this one you can reorder it. So you like because glances oh, you could order okay. in the order you wanted. So it's not going to. It just okay. looks like the app switcher, but it's it's going well, so, to. So yeah, with, so with glances, them. you could only only Apple's glances were like had live buttons, right? And the rest of them were just kind of a little like picture and you could tap it to launch that app. But if you wanted to do anything in that app, you had to go like look at the glance first and then tap it and then it would open. So this is just kind of taking a step away and it's going to be easier to launch apps that way than it is to go to that bubble home screen that has too many little apps. I mean, like they split the clock functions across like five bubbles. So <laughs> there's just five bubbles. But um, yeah, so it's it's going to be easier to launch them from then. And then they're they're beefing up complications too. You can use put more complications on a watch. You can design your watch face with the complications on the phone, which might be easier. Yes, definitely. Um, seems like yeah, there's a lot of a lot of pain points being smoothed yeah, it out. Seems simpler, less funny, more or less fussy, more sophisticated, <laughs> more funny. Minnie Mouse. Uh, what do you think about? Um, there's like these some of the things that they emphasized back at the launch, like the heartbeat and some of the sketching seem to me like demo features. This time, I feel like they're showing mostly things that are very, very functional and useful because they actually know what people are going to do with it. But then you also have things like Scribble. Now, are people actually going to use Scribble? Do you think that like one letter, there's an old Dilbert cartoon where he's looking at a Bluetooth ring and he's like, can't stop reading the web, you know, one letter at a time. And the Scribble thing reminds me of that a bit. Is that is that like a new uh, egg freckles Newton joke or is it going to be useful? I think it'll be useful, obviously, for just, you know, quick messages that you don't have, uh, you know, the the smart replies queued up for. Um, and you know, I sometimes reply um, with dictation, but if I'm out in public, it's the most awkward experience. <laughs> you're like, I'm talking to my watch, like the you biggest gotta, dork. Like, it's taking up both hands, you know? Yeah. You're like, oh, just scribble it off. But like, you're holding one hand there, and then you're scribbling with the other hand. We both have the smaller watches. It might work better because like Android Wear, just annou- they just announced Android Wear 2.0 at Google I.O. a few weeks ago. 
And that was one of the things in Android Wear yeah. too, was you could like but draw. But that thing has a freaking keyboard. Yeah, it, was, <laughs> yeah, and it has a keyboard. It has a little swipe keyboard, oh but gosh. their watches are also like ginormous. Yeah. So it might make more sense over there. But yeah, everyone's trying to figure out the best way to get a message into this thing. It might be like my third choice. It might be nice to have like on the bench. It's not going to be my go-to. I don't I'm know. Still, I, I love quick replies. I have I like 15,000 quick replies. Wow. Maybe I cover need, every situation. I need to up my quick reply game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm clearly slacking. You probably get more texts than I do. <laughs> <laughs> Mine are all like, do you want a ride? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, my texts have to be very specific. <laughs> I, I dig this SOS feature too. I felt like yes. Um, yes. Oh my gosh. This, Apple is an ally. <laughs> well, yeah, but I had this issue at some point where I thought, you know, it seems like uh, the watch knows what's going on. So does your phone. And, you know, there's this uh, uh, feature in um, OnStar and uh, I think it's in um, – Gosh, it's in something else I'm forgetting now. It recognizes the kind of uh, what deceleration is like. So if you're in an OnStar-equipped car with the service mm-hmm. enabled, it says, hey, it looks like you're just in a crash. Are you okay? And if you don't respond, it calls 911 or calls you know, operator dispatch. They try to talk to you. They dispatch 911 or whatever, where you're, wherever you are. And I was like, that is a great feature because I don't really – I, like, I'm I think happy they have these my... for cyclists too. I think oh, cyclists geez. can get like a thing where if you were, yeah, it like oh, yeah, knows, it knows what kind of motion, yeah, yeah is, is you know associated with a an event like that. So since you have to have your phone with you still for a watch, you know, no new hardware on that. Um, but still, the SOS thing, just the ability, you're lying on the ground, you've crashed in your bike. That's happened to me. Being able to hold, you know, the only thing you can do is you can reach your watch and hold it. Being able to do that seems like a a nice extra. Absolutely. Yeah. So so you hold the button, the the button that just got a new job. Now you hold it down and it'll count down on the face. So that hopefully hopefully will help um, cut down on accidental. It'll say like, you know, dialing emergency in five, four or whatever. It cuts down. It counts down and then it will call emergency responders. It will also um, let your emergency contacts know and give them and give them your location. Yeah, that was cool. Um, And then it will then display your medical info on the watch's face. Yeah, hit tips. So, everybody use the health app on your iOS device to enter your medical uh, ID information. And uh, I kind of forgot about doing that. And then I'm like, oh my God, I need to do this. And then it's it's something that is accessible on an iOS device and yeah. uh, through the phone or the watch. Yeah, they know to look for it in the in the phone. Now it'll be also on your wrist. That's a first too for the watch. So those look really good. And then they emphasize that, you know, when you're traveling, you don't really think about like, what could happen if I have a major emergency while I'm traveling? That's not really something you want to plan for, but it would be smart. And your watch knows that, you know, in the U.S. it's 911, in Hong Kong it's 999, in another country it's whatever. Like, you don't have to know that. Your watch is just going to figure it out. And it'll use your phone's cellular to call. Usually emergency calls you can place even if, you know, you don't have service um and then if if you're connected to wi-fi it'll place the call over wi-fi so that's really cool this is all fantastic uh i think we should move on to tvos though because like i said we're not going to do a seven hour podcast today but maybe someday the uh marathon podcast tvos uh a lot of little improvements this this is feels much more like things that should have happened with 1.0 because we've talked a lot about how all we, the complaints that we had. Yeah. yeah it's right. But it was also, I mean, I was like, Glenn is here with me right now. Oh, like <laughs> Apple, Apple TV. It just, it's, it's felt like it was released too soon. The fact that they didn't have the remote app ready 
and updated, and then they released it, and it still didn't do everything Siri did. So now we're kind of like everything's the same. It's like all right, this well, feel- stuff like you're building a platform, you want voice control, you kind of got to get a minimally viable product exactly. out there and like let it improve. You know, like as more people write apps, like even the first watch apps were terrible. Like Marco Arment again wrote that thing, being like. Once I got the watch and started using it, here's all the like obvious fixes I made to my apps that were not obvious before, you know, the platform was, you know, an existing thing. So they got to make it exist and see how people use it, see what voice queries they put in. And it's getting a lot better and it's about to get even better with the new OS. I just think this the single sign in like that should have been a day one thing. Because you still have cable. Yes. So this is huge for you. I know. I'm like, my life has changed. <laughs> so and how- now if I can steal someone's login, I only well, like, I only have to deal with the guilt of entering it once. And right. I don't have to keep entering it knowing it's stolen again and again. So yeah. how is that going to work? Is there going to be an app in tvOS or, or in iOS where you enter... Oh. Glenn, it's so great. So it's in TVOS <laughs> in settings somewhere. No, no, no. You're going to want one. It's, it's in settings <laughs> no, somewhere. I, I wow. promise you. Well, I promise you, you, you will not said. want one. It'll, ha- it'll have a single sign-in thing, and you'll go and you'll say, like, I have, you know, Comcast. God bless me. And here is my login. <laughs> and then it'll say, oh, look, Comcast person. Here's all the different apps and channels that support logging in to a Yay. Comcast account. And it'll just show you all of them. And you'll be like, I want these five. I don't want those other 84. Thank you. It'll be great. It's pretty cool. Caitlin I like it. can't wait. I'm so excited. I like Although it. Although I really do want to cancel cable. But now you have everything <laughs> set up. So like, too late for you. I but. know. Well, I, had to, I had to call Time Warner to are you really canceling cable? Them. <laughs> no, they just keep raising my bill for no reason. Oh, yeah. That's, that's uh, what kind of cable if you're listening, I what, swear to God. <laughs> that's what competition does for you. We 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 killed our cable uh, 10 years ago or more because every month it just, I mean, this was 10 years ago they, before the current stuff was going on. I'm like, I'm paying $800 a year for no entertainment. So we do Netflix and Amazon Prime and the like. I'm actually thinking about canceling Netflix because we don't do the most of the shows and they keep losing programs i'm like but i'm waiting they if have I'm, jurassic park now oh yeah i'm waiting for well I, yeah it's like i i was i'm watching sci-fi i'm watching things that i don't have i'm waiting for one more shift like i need a little more cable channels uh, I, I watched two complete sci-fi series original series recently that aren't available elsewhere i can buy them as digital downloads but the cost of buying those two is like an eight or nine month subscription to what a sci-fi channel would cost if it were offered as an unbundled item. So I think TVOS, like like Apple, that can crank that knob a little more and get more. And they they are offering uh, Sling TV. I see that's available. That's huge. As of I have Sling TV, and I'm excited that it's on Apple TV because it was air playable before, and we've used it. You know, we put it on the Mac and AirPlay it over to the Apple TV. But then your your Mac is all kind of out of commission while you're doing that. So. Yeah, oh, super huge, super huge. Yeah, so waiting for one more, one more round of unbundling. See, I figured the cable companies or Apple put their bundle out. Yeah, the it's cable coming. companies are going to switch. Like they're they're right on the verge. I think where because like Xfinity is owned by Comcast, which owns NBC, Universal, and just acquired. Um, uh, why am I blanking out who they acquired? They just bought. Uh, Oh, another big group, uh, uh, the animation studio. Uh, th- there's all this content now where they don't. Ha- they're not as dependent on the cable channel revenue as they used to be. So. I can see this shift coming where we're going to, without a cable subscription, we'll have a login subscription, basically. That would be great. And you're not going to have the cable box. It's all going to be through device, and you'll be able to buy bundles. Because it's, it's so close, and they can make a fortune off that. It's cheaper for them to deliver this way. Yeah, um, it's like I already have a Comcast account. I'm already paying them monthly for my internet. All they have to do, 
all they have to do is just say, oh, that login that you already have for your internet account, like you can use that in the cable apps as well. Yeah. That's and it. it's just, but then it, and then it's, but then you don't have the cable subscription. So you're not paying for 500 or whatever channels yeah. you'd ever do. You're paying them for a subset, but it's coming. It's coming. And I think TVOS and, uh, in, uh, fire TV and, uh, and the Google product. Yeah, because if uh, Comcast Chrome. doesn't offer it to me, like Comcast. pretty soon I'm not going to want it from them anymore because yep. I'm already buying it from Sling or Apple or whoever else, you know. It's all about to change. It's all changing. Uh, and one last thing too is um, this is a feature that I know a lot of game developers are like, I'm not going to release a game that has to work with Siri remote because that's ridiculous because my game requires whatever features. So this release, uh, you'll be able to, developers will be able to release tvOS apps that, uh, that, require a game controller and that yep. that's going to make a, I think that puts people over the top. Um, because as long as it like warns you before you buy it. Cause you know, whatever. but it's, yeah, it's yeah. pretty easy to get a refund on an, on an app if you made a mistake buying it. So, yep. Uh, let's move on to Mac OS. Um, Sierra, uh, Lex Friedman pointed out that Apple is now named products after two of his three children. So he's just waiting for, for some kind of Anya product. He has a Leo. Does he have a child named El Capitan? He does not. No, but uh, he's going to change his name to that, I think. That's what I call him in private. I always call Lex El Capitan. Uh, but so, El Capitan, mi Capitan. So you had a, you were concerned, Susie, about Siri on the Mac, about the awkwardness of it. Well, I mean, a little bit because like you, the Mac has had, you know, voice commands and voice controls and voice dictation and stuff for a while. But I, you know, I work in an open plan office and I'm not talking to my Mac. I'm embarrassed to talk on my phone. <laughs> Seriously. In front of people. Like, <laughs> like I I'm going into a conference room to make a phone yeah, call. Yeah, we have these little like <laughs> huddle rooms and it's like these little like mouse huddle holes in rooms. the wall that you like crawl into like this little bunker and you can make your phone call in there. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's if it's really good. Um, I use Spotlight for a lot of things, yeah. and this seems like kind of voice Spotlightish. So that could be really useful. Like I use Spotlight to search, um, and then you know having the advanced file search kind of stuff. I think Spotlight can do some of that, but it's like you open up Spotlight and you're like, how do I how do I type that? But if you're just babbling it to Siri, and you can kind of learn what you know how to ask for it. That might be a faster, easier way to find. I mean, they were, the demo was like, show me files that John sent about the redesign last week. And and you can get that. So if it can look in your mail attachments and everything um, and, and, and be as good as Spotlight, but easier to use, that, that could be really big. And that might be good enough to get me over the hump of awkwardness of talking to my computer like a weirdo. <laughs> Uh, you know, I didn't catch, I didn't totally understand the memories demo about, uh, how it works. I was just, I started wanting to think memories all alone. And you know, it's like cats, right? <laughs> uh, but I, I could, I, um, uh, does it, is that a song from cats? Yes. yes. Memories. Oh. I'll try. I won't do it again. No, uh, it was, um, <laughs> it's good. How does it go again? Oh. No, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, it's a hard knock life. For a massive song. Uh, that's so, from Annie and Jay-Z and Jay-Z. Yeah. <laughs> The Photos app is going to have a lot of improvements, and some of those will be in both iOS and OS X, or they may process some of the others. I'm not clear yet on exactly what iCloud.com will show and what you'll need to see on a platform. Um, but, you know, we're going to see improved facial recognition. We're going to see Google I'm, – I'm just saying it's like Google Photos like – a recognition of objects in a scene. So I switched to Google Photos for all my online searching. I don't use Photos for OS X to find anything because you can't even type a date in reliably in Photos to find stuff. 
I can go to go- yeah. you know photos.google.com and type in you know May thirteenth two thousand fourteen and it just brings up photos for the, that date. How strange! Or I can type in uh, you know Port Townsend uh, Ben name one of my kids and it will actually find pictures from Port Townsend of uh, Ben. It's it's astonishing. It's actually really hilarious. Okay, this is embarrassing because I was using Google Photos on my phone because I love how it will just back up everything into the cloud for free, unlimited, forever. I didn't really realize they had this web client. <laughs> I mean, obviously they should because it's Google. Oh, but it's good. It's a good I'm one, just too. I'm looking at this now. Yeah, this is great. And you go there, and it, what's hilarious is you look through like um, objects it recognizes. So like it has categories like birds and animals and so forth um, and places. And I'm looking at something. One point I'm like, I don't recognize these photos at all. And I'm looking through this. I'm like, I'm really confused. I don't remember being there, who this person is. And then I realized someone had uploaded photos at some occasion, like a wedding or something that uploaded a bunch of photos to a computer I had. And those are now indexed, but I'd never seen them before. I'm like, I, like, is this a life I didn't realize I'd led? So you'll... So for, <laughs> So photos. Google Photos is finding images of my past it's lives. I'm typing past life in here right now. I believe it does alternate, no results. alternate universe. Uh, <laughs> this looks. is my first trip. But So I'm glad Apple's bringing it because the idea that you have to keyword stuff or do like really structured searches is maddening. And if you can just type in baby in every baby photo you ever took of any baby. Now I'm just typing years. in random stuff. I know it's, you, can, you can waste. I waste a lot of time in Google Photos. The thing I don't get. So you, Susie, you were at the demo. Caitlin, you were watching intently. I was too and I cannot figure this out. The memories feature it makes like automatic movies of things for you. Yeah, isn't that like the the Google thing? Like it just <laughs> creates this like slideshow yeah. of photos yeah. from your from whatever trip you took. The or... Google ones are really weird. So Rich Stevens, uh, who does the uh, comic strip Diesel Sweeties, he put up a couple that he installed the beta and put up a couple that uh, that Apple the photos made. I just want to make sure I was understanding the feature right. And they are hilarious because they're like pictures from Star Trek that he's sending to somebody else, his dog, like a blurry photo, and then this dr- <laughs> this dramatic yeah. music behind some it. Some of Google's have been really bad that they found of me. Like it's some. Sometimes it'll be like you actually did take a trip somewhere and it'll find that, but then it'll also find like, you know, four screenshots you took like the next day and it'll just like lump those in. It'll be like, here's your trip to Boston and San Leandro. And I'm like, no, no, but you can, you can tweak them if you want. It's just, it's sort of funny to see it there. Like first attempt. Here's what a machine intelligence thinks about your life. That's what we're seeing. Uh, If you go uh, to Rich's uh, R. Stevens Stevens with a V on Twitter if you want to see some of the movies that he's made. And I'm sure people will be posting them. We because, should post some funny ones and oh do like a gosh. hashtag. Yeah, I'm just, I'm really curious. Uh, yeah, the Google ones are pretty hilarious at times. It's like, it, because it tries to, it, it, it's, but it learns too. I think the question is how much feedback gets sent by these things as you modify. When you tweak it, does the this Apple or Google send information back, say, oh, this wasn't right. And does that improve the future ones? But it's clever. Uh, Watch Space Unlocked, we already talked about in macOS Universal Clipboard awesome feature um you'll be able to you know copy and paste across platforms which is Wait, pretty but cool. speaking of editing stuff oh, and yeah. uh and google yeah so google put out their um app for editing live photos well, not really editing oh, live yeah, photos yeah. but like smoothing out live photos and turning them into gifs and making them more shareable they just put that out last week and then yesterday apple didn't mention this in the keynote but guess what you can edit live photos you can Ooh. like trim them a little bit you'll be able to pick the um the the the, the image that's on the front, like the cover image um, that, you know, that the, it goes to the still image before you live photo it up. So so that's kind of cool. Um, you know, I still wish they were a little more shareable, like other services are starting to use them a little bit. But but yeah, it's just so funny. Like the photos, they just keep kind of trading, going back and forth with Google, like leapfrogging each other. Yeah. Uh, somebody had pulled up a, an Apple, uh, had a 
a really bad long uh, overnighter um, <laughs> last week. Oh my God, Google released that feature. Let's quick and do it. Uh, let's get one out for the beta. Uh, yeah, and it's like it's it sounds when you're like watching them, you're like, oh, they announced that two weeks ago, knowing like I know in my heart of hearts <laughs> that like they were both working on these simultaneously, and oh, it's yeah. just who scheduled their developer conference first. But it's just really funny watching it. It's like a ping pong game. Love Google developing software for uh, for Apple products. I think it's great. Yeah, like they've put out a couple Apple first apps lately. It's good. Keeps everybody sharp. Um, iCloud Drive. This is an interesting one about how this is going to work now because it's going to give you ostensibly it's so it's not synchronizing uh the desktop across multiple macs but it's going to give you access across your back desktop and looked files. at it because i couldn't tell if it was just going to put a desktop folder in your icloud drive and just you know automatically have all your desktop items in there or if it was really going to sync the desktop and in the pictures it sort of looked like it was syncing the desktop i wonder if it's gonna be like a space because it's it looks like you're in a it looks like you're looking at the files. And like I hope it doesn't browser. actually copy the files if it's just sort of like representations of the no, files I, and it doesn't grab them until like you actually want one. They keep talking about accessing. I, never, I only use the desktop on I, one of my Macs. I don't really need I that. I think you're looking in an iCloud drive. I know, I wish they'd been a little clearer. It looks to me like you're looking in an iCloud drive folder that basically is the desktop of another Mac. That's what I thought. But then in the pictures, they showed like, you know, another Mac and then all the items like actually showed up on its desktop, but maybe they were just... I think that's the first Mac. That's why they yeah, they need to fix that illustration yeah. a little bit. Um, but also a syncing documents folder um, across uh, to iCloud as like a feature is interesting. And especially, uh, you know, I have to say it, I have gigabit internet. So do a lot more people <laughs> I know these days. Um, Everybody drink. So, uh, but it's, it's interesting because the when you have a high-speed network, I mean, you know, even like I'm sure a lot of people have 50 to 100 megabit per second. Even uh, you people with slow high know, speed slow know what we're speed. talking about. As long <laughs> as you have symmetrical service, it starts to feel like the internet for me is now more like an extended local area network as opposed to something yes. different, I, like a thin yes, straw right. I'm sucking at. So like for me, I'm like, oh, <laughs> iCloud, sorry, is that disgusting? That word? That, that's very that gross. Awesome. <laughs> um, spitting peas through a straw. <laughs> the, internet the internet straw. Now bowling balls are it's coming through the pipes. I drink your milkshake. <laughs> the internet is not trucks. It's a series of it's fat series and skinny straws. straws. Uh, it sounds like a Simpsons plot. But uh, so iCloud being... Uh, you know, so my backups are fast and when I need to access files, it's sometimes easier to get a large file from the internet than to figure out where it's on my own network because the speed is almost identical. I have a, one, a gigabit uh, LAN and I have a gigabit uh, uh, WAN. But um, so I don't know how this will affect people who don't have, you know, is it a great feature if you don't have a high bandwidth? Like if you have, you know, 20 megabit per second over five megabit per second connection, will it be as appealing uh, but it's a nice idea that you're going to be able to have an effective backup and sync. It's not Dropbox, but it starts to approximate that for a large audience who don't want to install or deal with it. The thing that freaks me out, though, is this optimi optimized storage thing. What do you guys think about that, about um, the idea that Sierra is going to like automatically figure out which files you need the least and then remove them from your computer and stick them in the cloud? I don't know. This sounds real sketch to me. <laughs> they, they, I mean, they showed like one of those slides they showed for two seconds. Um, I have a 256 gigabyte MacBook Air, so I want to trust it because this is a, another pain point of mine is, you know, like right now I'm looking at my storage breakdown and it says I have 96 gigabytes of other. And I don't really know what that is. I try to be smart about, you know, offloading files, you know, to an external drive that sits on my desk 
where it's not as handy as having those files in the cloud. Um, Because if, you know, I have to be near that external drive if I want them. So so I want to trust it. Um, They showed a settings screen. They showed it for about a second and a half and no one could really see what it said. Um, But yeah, they talked about some things like your music and your photos and stuff would be brought up to the cloud and kept there and available on demand, whereas other things they would be able to intelligently delete because you'll never need them again. And that's, you know, the the phrase that strikes fear in the hearts of nerds <laughs> everywhere. Don't do it. <laughs> right. But, but, you know, if you back it up and experiment with it, like, you know... That, you never needed that picture, Grandma. It's okay. It's gone forever, but, you know, well, you never looked at it. There's a lot of dupes. Like, there's a lot of duplicate files. There's a lot of cache files. There's a lot of logs. There's, all like, all that stuff. And... The OS is supposed to be smart about doing that now, but I think it sort of does it on its own, and maybe like this will be a way to kind of have that happen on demand. Yeah, I will. Say, I I'm dubious about it just because I don't. Here's the thing: it's not that I worry that Apple is going to lose my files. Um, although who knows, there could be some sync operation failure. It's that you cannot iCloud plus library equals like scary. scary, oh scary. Gosh. <laughs> you can't back up iCloud. So people yeah. have written to me uh, to Mac 911 a lot where they said, I want to only have optimized copies of my iCloud photo library on my computers. How do I back up the full resolution photos? Because the full resolution photos will then all be at iCloud.com. And I've said, you can't, so don't do this. Like figure out a way on a desktop Mac to have non-optimized photos, full resolution images and media, uh, maybe on an external drive. If that's what I do, my photos library is on an external drive. So I'm not taking up my internal SSD. And I also don't access the photos that often to need the fastest storage, but this plays right into the same thing. I I can't back it up separately. Then having one copy in the cloud is not, (laughs) is not safe. So yeah, because they say that like if it's in the cloud, that that you don't need to back it up. But like the cloud is just someone else's computer, and you do need to back it up. (laughs) The cloud is just someone else's computer. Is the that is exactly right? It sounds so it sounds so magnificent. Uh, I was listening to the um, the Flophouse podcast, which is a very amusing bad movie podcast, that involves some people who past and current uh, writers in The Daily Show and some other very funny people. And last night, the latest episode, uh, one of the guests was saying, uh, I lost my password to the cloud years ago and I don't even know what's in there anymore. I just loved, like, it's like the cloud, this vague amorphous thing. I can't find my cloud. Um, but that's the way it was. did a survey and there was like a surprisingly large number of people that thought that the cloud didn't work as well, like on a, during bad weather. Yes. Remember how like it would rain yes. and your satellite would go out? Say people the... thought that that was also an issue with the cloud. <laughs> so like, yeah, people don't get it. But anyway, oh my gosh, our our listeners do. Our listeners go. Oh, so one last uh, macOS feature, and then we will breeze through iOS ten. Uh, <laughs> sure, we will. Apple file system APFS new file system is coming, and it wasn't announced. Uh, it was announced not at the keynote, but it was in the platform state of the union. Yeah, and it's great. So this is going to be you know ZFS had been floated as an approach. Um, for Z for Zeta, maybe for the prefix, uh, a few years ago as maybe a replacement for HFS Plus. Uh, Susie, you wrote an article about what APFS is going to bring to people, but again, we're not going to see it rolled out as a thing until 2017 uh, and the current the current discussion. Yeah, so maybe that would be like, like there's, you know, like Mountain Lion and, and El Capitan. Maybe that'll be when we drill down into the Sierras. Uh, it'll be a Sierra Mist. Just like, yeah. Sierra Mist, the worst soda. <laughs> Donner Pass. Donner. Um, yeah, Mac OS Donner Pass. <laughs> I'm going to go with. Oh, my gosh. But so <laughs> the but APFS. And all the, the file system starts just eating itself. Too soon. Too oh, soon. gosh. <laughs> wow. Wow. It's right. We need another 100 years for that one. Uh Optim- so, th- so this is a APFS is like a next generation. HFS Plus was something that was desperately needed uh, when it came out because the existing 
file system Apple was using just couldn't handle large drives or enough files. And it was, it was absurd. I remember kind of being on that transition. It was like, ah, I can sort of like almost at the point where the file system was unusable with the kinds of tasks you were trying to do. And then HFS plus shipped and it was cool. And they've coasted on what is now a very antique file system for many years. Um, this is going to be a thorough overhaul. Yeah. And, it, and so the other products have SSDs in them now. So, you know, storage can be more of an issue and, you know, we're miniaturizing things. So you have smaller device. The, like this, eventually this is going to be the file system across all of Apple's OSs. So you've got right. devices like little bitty things that you're wearing on your wrist and what, you know, whatever's coming next in your car and stuff. So they're going to do um, like cloning instead of copying and they're going to do different things um, in, on the file system level to make it speedier and more aware of resources and space. So that should help a lot of things. But it's not, it's not you know, ready yet. You still can't, um, uh, these file system volumes can't be indexed with file vault. They can't be encrypted with file vault. They can't be backed up with time machines. So they have a ways to go. But um, I mean, I don't, this isn't really my uh, wheelhouse, but, you know, I've, I listened to podcasts and I've heard John Syracuse <laughs> talk about how Apple needs a file system for a while. So oh, yeah. he was happy. He tweeted, like, the new file system is real and it's spectacular. I will always refer people to Accidental Tech Podcast, ATP, uh, if you're looking for, like, an in-depth dive. Because John Syracuse is not – he's also confirmed he's not going to write up – he stopped writing macOS reviews that were – I used to think of them as, like, you know, Mount Everest and I would make Basecamp. I'd get through a few pages, <laughs> camp for the night, make more – and they're – they're magisterial in scope. And so he's still not doing that, but you can hear something like the equivalent of I'm picturing of it on your ATP. children as like Sherpas, like <laughs> making you tea oh, yeah. as you're like reading this thing. Uh, bags full of bits on my back that are sustaining me through the journey. Uh, one of the things I like about APFS is it has it's encrypted by default. So right now, File Vault 2, uh, Apple introduced it in, I think it was Lion, where it's a full disk encryption option. Uh, so but that you got to turn it on. Yeah, yeah. Well, they yeah, and then in starting in Yosemite, it encouraged you during an upgrade or installation. It said, "Hey, let's pre-check this. You want to do it, but you still could uncheck it. People wouldn't do it. This is like APFS is just full. You get full disk encryption by design. Uh, and um, you know, I've written about this, and I think I have a column even that's coming out or just came out about uh, secure empty trash was removed from El Capitan because it doesn't have an effect in SSD. SSDs. Um, in order to avoid over uh, using specific cells in the flash memory, because SSDs can uh, wear out prematurely unless the right. unless it's written evenly. So there's this uh, software or a controller rather makes sure that locations are written evenly. So when you overwrite what you think is a file in uh, an SSD, it doesn't modify the location. It just mod it it distributes it. So you can't be sure when you use secure erase on an unencrypted drive that the data is no longer available. Someone with the right uh, forensics might still be able to recover it from cells that weren't yet overwritten with, um, with an encrypted file system. It doesn't totally remove that possibility, but it dramatically reduces it. So when you delete a file uh, and you shut down your computer, there is no way with an encrypted file system for someone then to go back and use forensics to retrieve it with an active file system. It's a different issue, but anyway, it's a, it's a great improvement. Uh, let's move on to iOS 10 and we're going to sure, go through we're an hour in yeah, super fast. <laughs> we, hey, we're going to have, we're weeks. going at Apple's pace here. We have weeks and weeks to go. Yeah. We're not, no, no, to another hour, but, uh, let, let's talk through Susie. Anyone has to fly home in like two days. There we go. <laughs> right, let's speed, speed this, this up, up a little bit. Hey, there's Wi-Fi and airplanes. This will work. Uh, <laughs> iOS 10. So, um, Susie, you are a longtime, um, uh, interested party in uh, HomeKit. You like the technology and the idea. Uh, this should be good news for you. This is finally maturing in iOS 10. Yeah, I mean, other HomeKit uh, developers were making apps that could... So, like, 
the problem with home devices before was that they each came with their own app and the home kit was kind of supposed to bridge all that and you could write an app that could control any home kit device because they're all you know talking to each other on the same protocols and layers and all that stuff so so there I have some home kit apps by third parties that can control other companies devices and that's all very nice you can kind of pick which one you like the best and trick it out um, so Apple's just sort of jumping into that with with their own app and it looks pretty nice and then they're gonna have a control center thing for it too which is really big because um, having to launch an app every time you want to do something like turn on a light um, does get to be kind of cumbersome even if you have uh, a phone on you all the time so but HomeKit has always supported Siri, and like a lot of the things they mentioned for HomeKit in the in the presentation weren't really very new. It was like a mm-hmm. little bit of review, but they are having their own app now, and it looks really nice. So maybe that'll just be like more attention for HomeKit. We are seeing a lot more devices now. Um, I've been testing a few of them, but I don't know. My house isn't very good for it because I don't have like the right kind of plugs to plug some of the stuff in. So I've got it plugged into power strips, and then it doesn't work as well. Um, so it isn't quite seamless yet but if you have like a you know a new modern house they mentioned that builders you know were were building this in so it's still kind of a high-end solution and i was hoping that HomeKit would democratize it a little more and there are lower cost devices out there but it's just like you're still sort of rolling your own kind of system and i haven't gotten it tweaked just right but it was fun to see it at least you know mentioned on stage and the new app looks really great i'm gonna try it out well, it looks like you can, you can bundle things together, right? That's the new Apple that you have, like, um, I forgot what it called it, but it's like a collection of scenes, things. Scenes, yeah, yeah. Scenes, yeah. That, was, that was always in there. Oh, is that right? Yeah, scenes were in there, and Siri, like, saying, Siri, good morning, and then she launches your morning scene. That was in there. Oh, fascinating. See, this is the thing. I have not gotten any um, smart home anything because I, I want my house to stay stupid. If it gets intelligent, who knows what could happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm also – I just, like, I don't need the light bulb thing. I already switched to LEDs, so I'm not going to um, – I have, I've actually, I backed a Kickstarter or a crowdfunding campaign that's an intelligent LED light bulb with a speaker inside that works over AirPlay. And I thought that is an interesting idea. So I don't know if I will use it often, but I thought that's a great way to test something out. Um, but I've not yeah. bought it. And they yet. mentioned the Apple TV, like bridging, you know, you can access HomeKit from outside your network. That already worked. Um, but some of the things, other things they put in iOS 10 will have cool HomeKit things. Like the notifications are now more like actionable and you can put like a live video preview in a notification. So when someone comes to ring your doorbell, you won't just get a notification like someone's at the door and then you have to open the app to see what happens. Like you'll you'll be able to see it like right from, you know, the notification and you'll be able to interact with it from there. So that's kind of cool. It's also very sort of Android-y, like pulling out parts of apps and letting yeah, you yeah. do them without, you know, launching the whole app. But that's that's going to be really convenient for HomeKit things because anytime you can get those functions outside of the app, is, is it makes it more convenient. Yeah, I've had a little concern about um, watching the demos, like how much they're putting into lock screens and places you can get to without unlocking the phone. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be a privacy challenge. Uh, WhatsApp, one of the things that they added in a release is uh, – I'm sorry, not WhatsApp, but in Allo, the uh, A-L-O, the new Google uh, – a messaging app that'll be coming, one of the features will be private or like hidden messages so that when someone texts you, it doesn't show the text of notification screen. So you'll be able to opt to do that. So it's not an encryption thing. It's more like an obfuscation thing. So you're not, your phone doesn't pop up and says, Hey honey, I'm meeting you at the bar and you know, uh, causing divorces and so forth. Um, <laughs> well, the people are causing those divorces for reasons other than messages. That's a different issue. But, uh, 
Uh, so I, I am a little concerned, like how much information gets revealed when someone has access to your phone, even casually, that you don't intend to be revealed to other people because it appears on a lock screen or they can do stuff on a lock screen. But I think there'll be some, you know, we'll be able to see how much we can adjust that. And I'm sure I will write columns about how to flip switches on and off to uh, to make that better. Um, also, uh, we we're talking about this at the at the uh, outset. Uh, so a lot of extensibility now. Siri, messages, and maps will all. Um, I think I misunderstood the maps thing a little bit. Again, this went so fast. I'm still trying to understand it. It maps will have extensions as well, right? But only a limited number initially. Yeah. The examples they gave for maps was that you could um, search for like a type of restaurants and then see them, you know, the results on a map, you could pick one and then you could make a reservation with open table and call an Uber to take you there without ever leaving maps. So things like that, like, um, I guess, yeah, apps will just be able to, to kind of tap into maps. I don't know if you have to have open table and Uber on your phone already. I'm assuming that you would. I'm guessing. And I think I, yeah, I'm just, uh, I think there's like maps doesn't seem as well. I don't know if it's developed or something, but it doesn't seem like it's as full, far along in terms of what's going to, uh, what's going to happen with it. I may be, I may be wrong. It, uh, uh, I don't think like every app will be able to do a map extension if I understand it, but you'll be able to do, um, but that's as opposed to, uh, messages and Siri where they're going to be sounded like fully extensible or no, I'm sorry. Siri is going to have, Siri will have some limits too. I, I guess, I guess I need to get some more clarity on that. Cause I think not every category of app will be able to work with all of the integrations and, uh, as an extension immediately, which is different than say, uh, the share sheets and Safari extensions that were introduced in, um, uh, yeah, eight. I actually just got someone's just sent me a link. One of my writers is like, I got to write this up. So yeah, it'll work. The Siri API um, will work with six kinds of applications ah, right away. So it's ride booking. So like Uber, Lyft, um, all that messaging. That's big. Um, photo search. So you can find photos and videos in a particular app. Um, payments. If you want to send $100 to someone with Square Cash. Um, VoIP calling, so you know your Skype and stuff, and yeah, then yeah. Um, starting uh, workouts in in workout apps. The VoIP thing, I should so, point out. The, you know, not everything the, yet, but uh, VoIP apps will also be able to take over the lock screen, so you'll be able to have. Or sorry, we'll actually you'll that have looks a, really cool. Ring, so you'll be able to use Skype as a like full fledged member or whatever other VoIP apps you're using. And there was a thing I want where in contacts you can actually set like people's preferred thing. <laughs> So you can know, like you can find there'll be a place for you to like make a note for yourself. Like now I guess you could do it in the notes thing, but there'll be a field or you'll be able to star someone's like preferred method of contact. Oh my gosh. So you can remember that like Glenn likes it when I contact him on Slack, but Jason likes it when I I message him. And because it's, that's tough. Like different people have their preferences and I don't want to like screw up by calling someone who hates phone calls. Yeah. Uh, Caitlin, I understand you're an expert in the stickers business. Oh, gosh. Here we go. Here we go. I was unaware of it. I read uh, Molly McHugh, used to be at uh, Wired, is now at The Ringer, wrote this uh, piece just a few days ago about the multi-hundred million dollar business in the stickers world, and I was taken aback. It's sort of like ringtones. Remember when ringtones is like a multi-billion dollar a year business? Briefly, I think. I think it tapered off. Um, And stickers are the ringtone of, you know, the 20... 14, 2016 era. Um, and it's another one of these things. I want to preface it by saying, like, I think it's uh, an area that people poo-poo. It's sort of like Pinterest or other stuff. It's like, it's something 
that uh, I'm going to guess is predominantly used by women. And thus it gets denigrated in the media because like, ah, ha, ha. And like teen girls, anything yeah, for teen girls exactly. can't be taken seriously. Yeah. Teen no, I know what you mean. are the leaders in technology. They, they do, really they are. adopt they everything are. before everybody else does. And then it becomes a feature. And then as soon as guys start using it. So I'm going to say that at the outset, but I don't understand the sticker world because um, I'm also an old uh, and also a guy. <laughs> so explain this to me because it's a huge, I mean, I was reading that article and I've been reading up on it. It's a huge business. How is this going to affect uh, the revision in messages? So I think, like I was saying earlier, that Apple is just, they're going after Facebook Messenger, which has, you know, their own stickers, Viber, Line, like all of these apps have stickers and they make money by selling you stickers. And you're, you're right. It's a huge business. I just think stickers are like the cheesiest cheese to ever cheese. Like I cannot (laughs) even handle stickers but yeah, people like, send me animated. stickers <laughs> sort of a cross between like an emoji and a gif like a little cartoon gif slash like giant super cute emoji so it's just it's that it's kind too, of style yeah it's just too i'm i just can't there's a yeah, lot I didn't of people want to be like no messages at boo because they had some useful things in there like square cash and the um the DoorDash, how you could do like a group cart. The group cart, and be yeah. like, we're all going to have, you know, a picnic. Like, let's all order oh, something yeah. from this menu together. Like, that was genius. So there Fantastic. were some really useful things in there. But then they were also like, you know, his whole app drawer was clogged with like, you know, five different sticker apps from different Disney okay, movies. Because so like every movie and brand and cartoon like has its own. And get this. They can get, get kind of out of control. This is something Macworld obviously needs to do. A stickers app is just a bunch of images in an Xcode project. You don't have to write any code is what I was hearing. So this is the interesting thing about the democratization of apps. So conceivably, without much technical knowledge, without any programming knowledge, it should be possible for anybody to create and release their own stickers apps. Now, Apple still has to approve that, but that's going to be fascinating. Um, yeah, I mean, there's this. My kids are nine and eleven. They don't have their own phones yet. At some point, they will get them, and we'll have to deal with all that. Um, I don't feel like it's necessary yet because of how their lives work. But I mean, the 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 tween to twenty five age group spends a lot of money on apps and in app purchases, and this oh, feels yeah. like another way to tap into that market. It makes messages seem hip like you know your your uncle is trying to be hip with the hey I'm cool but um, and those like custom emoji apps are big now like yeah. Kim Kardashian's Kimoji oh, yeah. I just downloaded a Steph Curry emoji one and those kind of work as keyboards yeah. so that's really obnoxious because then if I'm not in my you know if I'm in like a regular typing app and I'm trying to switch to like my tech expander keyboard or something all of a sudden I'm like Flying through keyboards and I got all these Steph Curry emojis like, you know, popping threes down <laughs> on my keyboard. And and I have to go and like, no, no, no. And it would be nice to be able to confine those two messages, which is like in, you know, realistically the only place I'm gonna use them. Yeah. So so I'm kinda into that, but yeah, I, I I will not be spending money on stickers. Like in Facebook, they give you a lot of them for free. Yeah, in a lot of apps, they're you know, they're mostly free. And like Snapchat has like basically the equivalent of stickers that you can layer on your on your snaps but those are all free so i think i think brands are just gonna use this as a way to make money and maybe people will buy into it I'm, yeah i'm gonna make a set of, of down with stickers of, uh, oh my gosh <laughs> i'm gonna make a set of dad joke stickers clearly and uh i'm gonna make a fortune this is gonna make my make my wealth 
not through hard work. Yeah, you could have little like pictures of your like floating head making like different funny faces, and those could all be stickers. Exactly. I don't know if Apple will approve that though. That's going to be very tricky. Um, I actually have a friend who's in town for WWC, and he's a developer, and he's also an admin, uh, an illustrator, and he's been blowing me away with his beautiful like Apple pencil illustrations, and he's like making his own children's book, and I'm going to get him to like write an article about it. But he was really excited about it. He was like. I could draw stickers. And I mean, like he has the chops. He could probably like code in an emoji keyboard app if he really wanted to, but he has no reason to, but he's like, you know, it's just drawings like, like Glenn said. So I don't know, maybe they'll, someone will do something cool, but it is sort of silly. Someone tweeted at us. They're like, I can't believe they're spending time at the developer cycle for like stickers and emojis. And I'm like, like, yeah, so much money to be made from it is the thing. So much money. Um, Susie, can I say this word on the air? I know we're sort of a family program. Okay. So dick pic mode like clearly it's so dick pic the, mode the oh, hidden God. image like say i mean the way they introduced it let's explain it, what we're talking about okay. Invis- we're joke invisible about ink. tell us invisible ink is like this new feature in messages so when someone sends you they can scramble the photo that they're sending you so or you, text or text so you have to like swipe away to see you know what it says or what the image is and yeah, I could see this going horribly awry. (laughs) Like, I don't even want to... It'd be funny for, like, you know, if you wanted to tell, like, a knock-knock joke or something. I guess a knock-knock joke is back and forth. But if you wanted to tell (laughs) a a non-knock-knock joke... Yeah, and then the example they gave, they were like, terribly. you could say, like, I have a surprise for you, and it's a scrambled picture, and it's of your engagement ring, no. and I'm like, that's really sweet. Everyone's going to use it for dicks. Yeah. yeah I just, <laughs> even in the demo, I mean, Federici basically made that joke. He's like, what could this be? I better, well, I forget what he said exactly, but everyone in the audience sort of nervous laughter. And then yeah, we were all like, an, an engagement ring. It's good, but... uh uh, yep, yeah, it's uh, there's a there's it a lot could of be it's, fun. It's, I'm, some of those things in messages look sort of silly to me. Yeah, well, we got the the bubble mode, the um, the big emoji. I actually I like big emoji, um, and I cannot lie um, because that, you like Slack, and Slack just made their emoji yeah, bigger, they, and, and it's nice. You see all the little detail. The emoji are very beautiful. The jumboji, as they called it. <laughs> Um, it's, oh, it's true. It's the release note. So we embiggened emoji. Uh, it, that could be your sticker app. It could just be called embiggened jumbo G and they oh could just be God. the same emoji, but super That's big. Right. <laughs> you have to like scroll around to see it all. I, I don't want to see the pile of poo emoji at that size. Thank you. Uh, oh, but it, if you are using emoji to communicate, it is kind of nice to have them larger so you can see what someone's, someone's doing. Um, I use, I use emoji. Uh, and no iMessage for Android. That was a slight surprise because it seemed like that was – I shouldn't say surprise. It seemed like that was going to be announced. It came from sort of reliable sources and didn't happen. I feel so. like if you want to win the messaging wars, you got to be cross-platform. But I also think that if Apple opened up iMessage to Android users, a lot of people would switch to Android. Like, Oh, yeah, my, maybe. My boyfriend is – you know, diehard iPhone user, and he was thinking about switching to Android this year. But how he... diehard is he then? <laughs> <laughs> well, Loyalty he wants a, he wants a larger phone, like even bigger than the biggest iPhone. So he's like, I, I would try out the you know the new Samsung phone, but I don't want to be green bubbles. He wants to get the Note. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, is it? I don't know. Um... <laughs> <laughs> don't let Flo listen to this episode. I think we would look good with the. I think he could pull it off. I think so too. Uh, but he was like, "I don't want to be green bubbles. I don't want to look at our conversations, yes. and they're all green bubbles." The green bubble is not a good place to be. Yeah, you don't want to be cast off in green bubbles. Well, sometimes land. they don't deliver. I've uh, my wife and I have had this problem repeatedly where in group texts where um, oh yeah, mother yeah. of a friend just doesn't get them. Where we see it green, it shows up. The texts never arrive on her phone. And there's no delivery uh, response there. So uh, 
Yep. Uh, yeah, it's you know the one good joke I think actually a couple good jokes I actually laughed heartily a few times during this keynote. Federici is a pretty funny natural comedian. I got to say he's loosened up over the years, but the bit. <laughs> He has. He used to be such a stiff, and now he like he seems oh so gosh. relaxed, and he can just he he says something. I'm like, that is actually, and I'd laugh. My like, God, it was actually a good joke. You know, I'm a dad, so maybe it's a dad joke. But the bit where they showed an Apple Pay with someone taking their iMac and handing it over the counter to pay, I I thought that was pretty cute. Yeah, that was funny. It was good. Uh, <laughs> it was funny. She says, um, "Maps in iOS. Uh, this is this to me looks really great. Like I'm actually looking forward to more of this." because um, I feel like Maps has been a weak element and they've improved it gradually. But I use Google Maps because it was reliable when uh, the Maps app wasn't. I keep using it because there's little things I like. This might get me to switch to Apple Maps because it's going to add not just the integration of other apps, but it's going to do that thing like alternate routes, which uh, some people have seen. I don't know if they were shifting it out in beta or something, but uh, John Gruber talked notably about seeing these options. It's a great feature in Google Maps when it says, you know, there's congestion ahead uh, rerouting yeah. you. That's awesome. I mean, yeah, Waze does that too. Yeah, it's great. And it's a feature. Well, Waze is Google now. But. Oh, right. But it should, it should have that feature. But even the things like I had this notion, you know, uh, months ago, I thought, why isn't Apple taking my calendar information and integrating it with Maps? So it's, uh, and then you get these announcements. It started to do that. If you're, uh, if you want to get there on time, you better leave now, right? Yeah. And that's if you have to put like the full address yes. in under location in the calendar, like all the way, like it, and it'll auto complete it now. It'll suggest. But if you just put in like 501 Second Street, like that won't do it. It has to be like 501 Second Street, San Francisco, California, like zip code, maybe even United States. And then it'll be like, okay, I know exactly where that is. I need to leave now. I use Fantastical and it does really good auto completion yeah, locations. Yeah, Fantastical so will suggest it for you I, very reliably. I started doing it, but I love this notion that it's going to give you more information, like almost like an agenda and help you kind of along your route. As well as well, they added you... nearby in yeah. iOS nine, and I just tested um, iOS nine point three on. They added some stuff to CarPlay, um, and uh, so I tested it in a Chevy Volt and made a video. And one of the things that I kind of dinged it for was they were like, "Oh, we finally after you know we're finally on nine point three. Let's put this nearby feature from iOS nine into CarPlay where it belonged from day one." Um, and then it was suggesting all this stuff behind me. Oh, I that's mean, great. <laughs> Yeah, Turn and you're around. just like, no, 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 no. Like, and like some of the, like Waze is smart enough to know like what side of the street things are on and like suggest things that are in front of you. If you're on like a freeway, it's going to suggest stuff on on the right side of the freeway, going the right way because it, it can tell where you are. So um, yeah, so that felt like a catch-up thing, but it will be really good if, if it gets it right. It'll be like, okay, you need gas. I'm going to find it ahead of you on your route and then I'm going to tell you that's going to extend your route by five minutes or 10 minutes and then you can decide should I get the gas now or should I just keep going and get it later? So that, that'll be really handy if it all works. I, I went great. to Apple Maps full time when I got my watch oh, because yeah, of the little tappy sense. taps on the wrist. Do you, do you use that? Yeah. That was one thing so, I liked when I was traveling. On an Apple Watch and I was traveling, I found it much more useful than when I was just at home and around my city, partly because of that kind of feature. Yeah. And that'll only be better. Uh, the um, the uh, One thing I wanted to call out here too is we were talking in passing about Square and being able to send cash. I had some. I've got a story that I'll probably be up or will be up on Macworld by the time people hear this podcast about. Um, oh, it's up. Oh, it's up. Sorry, it's up already as we're recording. Thank you. Uh, Susie never sleeps. That's the tr- that's the secret. She's always working. I did it at like eleven thirty, uh, and then I went to bed. Oh, yeah. and then uh, so. Uh, Square uh, hasn't at this point. They said they can talk to me more um, after the public beta is out for iOS because they're uh, 
because they're kind of yeah, a keynote partner. Yeah, yeah. They can only talk about what's demonstrated. But they said, yeah, you'll be able to say something like, ahoy, telephone, send uh, Suzy 50 bucks. And it'll say, you know, do you want me to send that to Square? However, you'll integrate or select That's the app. That's a good demo. I think you should all try that because yeah. sh- it's going to be a great experience I'm, for everybody. Oh, by the way, I'm changing my name money. to Johnny Send Cash, just so you know. <laughs> and uh, that'll be good for me. Uh, but you'll also be able to do that in messages. Uh, so you'll be in an iMessage session. You'll be able to pull up the Square app from the list of apps and send money to that to the person. Square Cash requires that you send money either via a credit card that's registered or a debit uh, debit card associated with an account. The recipient does not have to be already set up when you send it. They'll get a prompt. They'll have to download the app and set up an account, and then they have to add a debit card linked to a banking account to receive it, which all sounds like a hassle, but I think millions of people are already registered with Square Cash. And this gets us almost to the point of, do you remember with the Palm when you could send money with the Palm using PayPal? I remember you talking about oh, it. Oh, I'm yeah. so old. So that used to you be- You and Jeff Carlson yeah. used to go out to lunch yeah. and pay each other and over I, your palms. We use infrared and PayPal to send each other money. It was great. So kids, it's- Caitlin and I were like in middle school. Oh, Jesus, I'm so I'm rolling my ass Caitlin over here. So old. So old. Rolling eye emoji. I was emoji. a poor college student. I couldn't afford a palm. Um, we, were, we were tech writers, early adopters. But so it's going to be that, I, you know, that happens all the time. It's not such a big deal to launch the Square app, but when you're in a session with someone and you're like, oh, let me repay you for lunch and you send them five bucks or something. That I think will potentially dramatically accelerate Squarecast usage. And I think having Siri do it, it's going to be a fun future moment. Yeah. Oh I always get a little thrill when I pay for something with my thumbprint and I'm going to be like, I just say you money with my voice. Like, I don't know. I think that's going to be a fun moment for me. How many, I, given I how often uh, the telephone wakes up when you say the words, ahoy telephone, I uh, just wonder how many accidents there's going to be with people accidentally sending money to somebody else. We'll see. We'll have to see what the confirmation step is like for that. Uh, are you yeah, sure? Yeah, right? I'm going to have to start working on my impressions of people. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Evil. Uh, so the, uh, just in passing, 3D Touch was definitely emphasized, and it's a little strange because, as we talked about, the iPhone SE does not have 3D Touch, and it's one of the five models that's being sold, and we expect the SE will be sold for some time. And maybe they will refresh it with you know 3D Touch in a year, but it's not going to happen immediately so um, yeah they were putting it in a lot of things like they were mentioning like if you want to look at more detail on these notification cards you can hard press them so I mean there three the iPhone SE supports live photos and those are engaged with a with a hard press on the iPhone 6s Um, and on the iPhone SE you just kind of do a a press and hold so maybe some of those gestures will be kind of translated to the uh, not as cool press and hold on the SE and they'll still work but just not as you know instantaneously and magically as they do when you push them harder on your your flagship iPhone that's my guess anyway I I, I have to download it today and I'll let you know Uh, well yeah we'll talk about that more too so final issue we're going to finish up our our lengthy podcast with one and we'll talk of course listeners about all this stuff in the future as we get down yeah we can't leave this out because they left it out of the keynote and I think it's big time tell us tell us you can delete the Apple apps you can delete like um, most of they put all the built in Apple apps in the app store so you'll be able to delete them and get them again um, Glenn heard from someone who has beta that you they don't even actually go away maybe they just like are hidden yeah. which is an, this is enough for me I just don't want that compass icon I don't want that stocks icon like I have a folder that's just like you know 
I, I, I have all my folders labeled with emoji. And for a while, I had the poop emoji on there. But I changed it to, like, the no smoking sign emoji. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> but, but what I heard um, from uh, Owen Williams, writes for another publication, he said uh, that he tested with airplane mode on. So with no network access, he was still able to reinstall the apps, which shouldn't be possible unless they're stored. And it, it sounds like it's a little wonky. So it's possible it's an early beta thing. That could be a beta yeah. thing. Yeah, we don't really know. Apple support note says that it's, you know, the apps, you only save about 155 megabytes if you delete at all the apps so ostensibly they it says that oh yeah yeah it's in the it's in the note they're i mean ah. i think they're being straightforward about it i feel like you know we were talking about this at the outset too like this is yet another one of those things it's like they're just shaving away all the little splinters and crud all over the os's things that annoyed i mean this has annoyed people for years and years they're like okay we're just gonna do it but the related part was it lets uh, apple update these apps outside of iOS updates. I never th- That's very nice. I never thought about that 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 was locked in that way cuz I don't use the apps for the most part, but that's, you know, clearly one of the things they want to be able that to That was a uh, benefit when they unlinked all like the iLife apps and started updating them. I mean, they usually end up getting updated kind of in concert, but not always. Phew. All right, we made it. We made it. We're at the end of we've covered uh Five percent of things, and uh, well, but the the big question I have about this, yes. not quite done, oh, is sorry. um, is will you be able to then? So what if I do oh, yeah, delete yeah. like calendar or mail, like will I, and then you know I'm somewhere and I get I'm like you know online or someone emails me, or, they can't email me. Someone messages me, you know, an address and and I don't have the Maps app installed, or they they message me a con in a, an event and I don't have a calendar app installed. Will it prompt me to install one? Will it offer me all the third-party calendar apps I have installed and ask me which one I want to use for these things, which is what Android does, which would be amazing? Or will it just say, like, haha, you have to get that <laughs> that app back? Right now, it apparently – I'm trying to figure out what – I haven't tested this myself. It, um, it sounds like it warns you. It tells you – it some, something doesn't work quite right. Like, I think it tells you you need to install the app if it's – if a I, I, you were asking, I think, at some point, could you, if you can't assign another app, if I can use Fantastical, can I say open all calendar stuff with this and delete the calendar app? If I can, it's great. But if I have no calendar app installed, does it properly to download it? So they may wind up, uh, this is one speculation, they might actually keep some base stuff installed so that if you need a calendar entry, you'd be able to view it. But I don't know. I mean, that's going to be confusing, especially if they say... Yeah, it says it can affect things like related system functions. Exactly. And they, they give a couple examples. They say, like, if you remove the contacts app, the, your contacts won't get deleted. They'll just show up in the phone app, which is probably where you look at them anyway. Um, and then on the iPad, they don't have the phone app, so you're not allowed to remove the contacts app because, you know, you have that database of contacts. They got to show it to yeah, you somehow. Yeah. Um, so, they, but they didn't mention, you know, like bigger, bigger questions to me, like calendar or mail, but it, it also is worth pointing out that they don't actually, uh, use the word delete on this page at all. They say, remove them from the home screen. So that would suggest that they really are not being deleted. <laughs> we'll have to do some, uh, but it also says, stuff. you know, they're designed to be space efficient. So all of them together use less than 150 megabytes. And that would imply that you are getting space back. So maybe it deletes like parts of them, but keeps other parts of them. It maybe it could be super de- it interesting. It could be deleting databases is the thing and not deleting the actual app. <sighs> I would be surprised if Apple was ready to say like, yes, you can use all Google apps for your default apps. And instead of the Apple apps, like that would be so weird and un-Apple of them. Um, you know, we can do that on the Mac. We can use whatever we want, but that's like more of the Wild West than oh, iOS. Sort of point. One Mac feature I want to follow up on. Speaking of what you can use on a Mac, is um, someone posted a screen capture that uh, the gatekeeper feature in the Mac that lets you choose whether you install 
apps only from the App Store, App Store and Sign Developers, or any app. Uh, that apparently only says App Store and App Store plus Sign Developers. You removed the other, you know, any app option. Yeah. So early betas, you never know. Things change, but we'll, I'll be following up on that. Oh, one more iOS 10 feature. Get this, guys. You will not have seen this in the demo. You can load images in a message at the top of a message now. In mail what? for in mail for iOS, you know how if you want to load images, oh. I would get these messages and you'd be scrolling down this endless, endless message to tap load images, then I have to go back to the top. The yeah. load images message now appears at the top of a mail message. Aw, look at that. I know, isn't it great? <laughs> what, like, what an improvement. Yeah, shaving, out, <laughs> shaving down the splinters, planing the operating systems and smoothing them down. All right. Well, we've reached the end of this episode. I think that was a smooth, splinter-free That's podcast. That's right. I'm feeling, I'm feeling <laughs> oh, fine. I'm yeah. going to go shave now to feel even smoother. Uh, <laughs> and uh, thank you, Caitlin, for joining us on this episode. Thank you. Susie, great to talk to you as always. Yes, thank yeah. you. I hope we still have something to talk oh, about Oh, I think week. we have, uh, <laughs> after the doldrums, I think we have a, a thousand episodes ahead of us. Uh, so, folks, thanks for listening to this week's episode, 512 to the ninth power for June 15th, 2016 of the Macworld Podcast. You can email us, podcast at macworld.com. Find us at macworld.com. Leave messages, send smoke signals. Get in touch with Susie and I on Twitter at GlennF, G-L-E-N-N-F or SFSUZ, S-F-S-O-O-Z like Z. And we look forward to hearing more from you as this develops. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. <laughs> <laughs>